what do we do now? That's the question that I asked last Sunday, and we're going to continue with it today. I mentioned last Sunday that we have many voices that are speaking into our lives. They come from various directions. They might be friends or co-workers or neighbors or talk show hosts or news media, social media, government, family, um, even preachers. We're bombarded with information and thoughts and ideas. And we are not unaffected by those. Everything that we hear and see and experience over our entire life, affects how we think. It affects how we process things. It affects what we think about what we should do. So it's important for us to realize, I think, that just because we have our own opinions and thoughts and actions doesn't mean that we are unaffected by all of the things that we've heard or seen in our lives. We're not as independent as we might think. I can often tell, and you probably can too as well, sometimes in a short conversation with someone that you've never met before, very quickly, who they've been listening to, what they think is important in life, who is influencing them, what voices are speaking into their lives. It's pretty easy to tell sometimes after just a short conversation. Who's been bending their ear It comes through in their opinions and what they say. Nowadays, there's a relatively new term being used, at least to me, called influencers. I don't know if you've heard of that term being used, but it's basically um, a person who has a lot of followers, usually on Instagram or some other social media platform, They wield a lot of influence. Lots of people listen to what they have to say. They're following them on what they say on Instagram or what they might say on YouTube. And so they they represent um, sometimes a particular industry or an area of thought and are considered to be somebody who has something important to say in that area. Sometimes it's not any big things that we might think that are influencers. They might be fairly insignificant things, but they influence a lot of people by what they say and what they do. Now, whether a person is recognized as an official influencer or not, I think this represents well what we are dealing with in this world. You and I are always being influenced by someone whoever it is that we are following. And maybe we're not officially following someone, we think, but it comes down to the same thing. What are we, who are we listening to? What are we watching? What do we spend our time bringing those things into our minds and, and, and hearing and seeing? I was talking with a young teenage friend not too long ago, and it was interesting for me because she gave me just a little window into what is influencing like young teenagers. She talked about the boy bands that she loves to follow and the people on Instagram that she follows. And I could tell that they had a significant influence in how she thought about life, what was important. 
And it just kind of astounded me to think that our young people have this, these kinds of influences that shape how they think and how they look at the world and how they respond to it. But I don't know that we're that much different as adults, actually. Wouldn't it be interesting this morning if we could just put a list up here on the screen, just somehow read your mind and display up here all of the people that are influencing you, that you give significant time to. Be an interesting list, and I don't know that all of us would necessarily be excited about that capability. But who would be on that list? Who is it that we're listening to? Who is it that we give our ear to? And I think we would be astounded as well of how much influence they have over our lives. What we think about, how we respond, what we do. And so when we look at this question, what do we do now? I think it's important for every one of us to realize that how we answer that question determined, is determined by who we're listening to. How we answer that question is determined by who it is that we're giving our attention to. Last Sunday, I made the case that what do we do now? We do Jesus. Just Jesus. We build our foundation on Jesus. We stand on Him alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You can go back and listen to it. But today, I want to think about how is it that we actually do that. It's interesting to talk about in theory and say, well, yes, that's, that's me. I'm standing on Jesus. He is my foundation. He's the one that I'm following. But is He our primary influencer? Is He the one that really influences how we think and what we do? How we respond? I think we might be surprised sometimes to understand that maybe He isn't influencing as much as what we think. Are we listening to Him? So today, what do we do now? Last, time, last week I said, just Jesus, and today I'm saying, follow Him. It's a really simplistic answer, I know, but I want to work that out this morning. We follow Him. Now this is different from just following someone on Facebook, we all know what following is in that, in that regard, or Instagram, or whatever it is, Twitter, whatever it is that you follow people on, YouTube, this is a little different. Following Jesus is not quite that simple. Because in the words of Scripture, what it means to follow Jesus, it means to become a disciple. Now I know that that word doesn't really connect with us that well in this day and age, we don't really even know what a disciple is in some regard because it's not a word that we use. It's not one that we can look around and see necessarily we call people disciples. But this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. It means to become a disciple. If you look up the definition, that isn't even that helpful because it usually just says a follower of Jesus, the definition of disciple. So what does it look like to actually be a disciple in our culture, in our time? What does that look like? Well, I think the best way that we can get a, an idea of this is to go back to Scripture 
and look at the people who were called disciples. And I want to read a passage from Matthew 4 where Jesus calls some of them. It says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now this story never ceases to amaze me. It says that they immediately left their nets, their boat, their family, and if you can imagine, a lot of other things wrapped up in that to follow Jesus. And from this point on, we see them with Jesus. When Jesus is involved, we see these Peter and John, these other Andrew, these disciples with Jesus from this point on. Not only do we see this with these guys, we see others too, like Levi or Matthew, the tax collector, who Jesus tells the same thing, follow me, and he leaves it all behind. He walks away from it. We don't know all of the practical details of what that looked like, but we can imagine what that might have been like. What do you think about that? Well, I think most of us would probably think in our day and age, that sounds a little crazy to think of somebody walking up to us in the middle of whatever it is that we're wrapped up in in our lives and says, follow me, and we drop it all and follow him. But this probably gives us the best picture of what it looks like to be a disciple, to actually observe disciples. Wherever Jesus went, they went. Whatever he was doing, they were involved in it. They heard his teaching. They saw his compassion and love for people. They witnessed his miracles. They faced difficulty and opposition along with Jesus. They saw his humility. And they experienced his overwhelming love. They knew that Jesus saw their every weakness. And scripture doesn't gloss over it. We see the weaknesses of the disciples recorded for us in Scripture. But they were disciples of Jesus. They were in the garden as He was arrested. They saw Him give up His life for the sin of the world on the cross. They saw Him resurrected from the dead. And finally, they were sent out by him to do the same thing, to make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. This is what we're talking about when we talk about disciples. Following him. This is what it looks like. We follow his example. We listen to what he taught and we obey And he knows, too, our every weakness, our problems, 
But by His grace and mercy, He uses us just the same. We too experience difficulty and problems and opposition and trials like He did. And we too are sent into the world to make disciples, to invite others to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to be a disciple. So, how do we follow Jesus? We're well aware that Jesus is not here in flesh and blood. He's not walking through this door and saying, come follow me, like he did with the disciples back then. So how do we follow him? How do we follow him today? I want to focus in on one particular way to follow Jesus. And it might not seem real exciting to you, but it's a crucial way that we follow Jesus. That is to study, to read, to listen, to meditate, to think, to learn, to obey, to grow, and to repeat those things. Now, I know as soon as I said study, some of your eyes just kind of glazed over. I know some of you who don't like to read necessarily, don't like to study. It's not something that you necessarily feel that you're called to or that you're great at. But I don't know how else you're going to get to know Jesus unless you study and read and meditate on his word. I don't know any other way. We need to study and meditate and think on the Word of God. The word disciple carries with it the idea of being a student, an understudy, to become a student of the Word of God. The entire Bible points to Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. It tells us who He is and why He came and what He did and what He will do. And so a disciple of Jesus Christ is one who's going to allow the Word of God to permeate your mind and your heart and your soul, to soak in it, to dwell on it, to write it down in journals, to talk about it with your friends and your family, to underline it, to highlight it, to memorize it, to hang it on your walls, to put it on your screensaver, to write it on pieces of paper and paste them around your home or in your car. The Word of God, illuminated by the Holy Spirit, will lead each of us into truth. You will know what to do. You will know what Jesus is doing. You will know where He's going. You will know what He wants you to do. And you will be His hands and feet, His hands of love and compassion to the world. You will make disciples of him, and you'll know how to do it. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a disciple, and you will be devoted to the Word of God. I don't claim to completely understand John chapter 1. Each time I read it, it's a bit of a mystery to me. But here it is, speaking of Jesus. In the beginning 
was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus was and is the Word of God. He is the personification of God's message to mankind. He is woven all throughout the pages of Scripture. If you want to follow Jesus, you will be devoted to the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. Who are you listening to? Who is it that has your attention? Who is it that you're hearing consistently every day? What are you feeding on? Who is influencing you? A follower of Jesus is going to be immersed in the teachings of Jesus. The Word of God, which is the embodiment of Jesus. It's what a disciple does. Now Jesus does speak directly to us through the Spirit of God, but He primarily reveals Himself through the Word of God. And so how could we possibly know who He is, what He's doing, where He's at, or what He wants us to do without being immersed in the revelation of God through Jesus Christ in the Word? I have no idea how we could know otherwise. Satan tries to tempt Jesus at the beginning of his ministry while he's fasting for 40 days in the desert, and he says this to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus' answer is, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Are you feeding on the Word of God? If we are not feeding on the Word of God, we will literally starve spiritually. And it's likely that we have a hunger problem in the church today. I'm not talking about the church at large, and I'm not talking about potlucks either, that we need more potlucks. But I think we have a hunger problem in the church today. We probably don't even know it. We are hungry for truth. We are hungry to know what is the way that I should go? What should I do? And yet, we often just ignore the truth that is sitting in front of us. The truth that God has given to us. That He's revealed to us. That each of us has a copy of. Or multiple copies of. We're starving for the Word of God. Jesus, in this temptation, proves His point about the Word of God by quoting Scripture to refute every temptation 
that Satan throws at him. He quotes scripture back to him. He quotes the truth. He knows the truth. He is the truth, but he also delivers the truth in response to temptation. How can we expect to follow Jesus if we know nothing about him, if we are not immersed in the word of God which tells us all about who he is and why he came and what he's about and what he wants us to do? The word of God is a gift. It's a treasure that we have. It's the most valuable possession that I think we have in this world. It contains the words of of God. The Bible contains the words of God. They are truth. They are the way. They are life. There's a time in Jesus' ministry in John chapter 6 where many of his disciples, and by this time he had hundreds of disciples following him and listening to him, following him all over the place. But after a particularly difficult teaching, it says, Scripture says that many of those disciples turned away. They stopped following him and no longer walked with him. And Jesus has this question for the 12 disciples. Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Is this what you believe? That Jesus alone has the words of eternal life? That He is the Word of eternal life? That He is the Son of God? Do you believe? that. Many of us would say that we do, that we believe. We have chosen to follow him. We have chosen just Jesus. We have chosen to be a disciple. But as that good old hymn says, we are prone to wander, aren't we? We're prone to wander. And I believe that we've been wandering some. We've become confused. We have started to listen more to other voices than we have to the Word of God. I want to speak fairly bluntly this morning to all of us, myself included. We need to return to our first love. We need to turn off all the other voices that are speaking into us and turn on the Word. We need to turn off the news, turn off the talk radio, turn off the Netflix and the YouTube, turn off the politicians, turn off Facebook and Instagram. And Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting some legalism here that we're going to implement that we can't do any of those things or that somehow those things are sins. I'm just saying that we're, the Word of God is being drowned out in our lives. It is being drowned out by all of these other voices that we're giving attention to. And we don't understand that all of those voices are impacting us, how we think, what we do, what we say. 
<clears throat> so in some sense, we need to turn those off. And we need to turn on the truth of God's word. Jesus should be the loudest voice in our lives. The loudest voice that we're listening to. The amount of time that we spend listening to God's word should overwhelm those other voices in our lives, in our world. He should be the loudest voice. The word of God often is largely ignored by many who would call themselves followers, and yes, even disciples. So it's no wonder that the voice of the church is often diluted, disrupted. It's often disturbing. And in such disunity, because we are not pulling together for our source of truth in God's Word. The world has our ear often, and sometimes Jesus doesn't. Just take a moment and add up how much time you've spent in the Word versus how much time you spent on many other things this past week or this past month. How does, it, how does it come out? Where are you getting your truth from? It's disturbing how much influence we are giving away to other people and to other things. We have so many influencers in our lives And I think we need to turn them off in some sense and turn Jesus on. We need to remember our first love. Or maybe we need to fall in love with Jesus for the first time. I don't know. But we're not just going through the motions here. We're not just following some creeds or some traditions. Jesus is not just a tool in our pocket to pull out and use for our own advantage, for our own purposes. That's not what Scripture tells us. He wants all of us. He wants all of our attention. And He deserves all of it. He loves us like no one else loves us. He wants a relationship with you and me. He wants time with you and me, and we need to give him time. He wants to transform our lives into something beautiful. He wants to give us the answers to the things that we're struggling with. I love that passage in Revelation where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone but hear my voice and open the door. I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. That's an old translation, but that's what I remember. He will come in and he will have a relationship with us. And we can talk with him. And we can know how to navigate this life. A couple weeks ago, a man named Joe Sims passed away down in southern Alabama. Joe was a fixture at my wife's home church in Atmore, Alabama, and I would see him pretty much every time we went to Alabama to visit. 
We went to church. Joe was there. I didn't really know Joe's story very much. He had a story like many of us, spent quite a few years not following Jesus, did not know the Lord at all, and had quite a wild life. Eventually ended up in prison in Alabama. And back in 1966, he went to a chapel service and made a decision to follow Jesus and has faithfully followed Jesus for those 54 years. His life was transformed. And when he was asked about what made the difference in his life or how he was able to stay faithful for that many years, he attributes it to the Word of God. He became a student of the Word of God when he became a follower, a disciple of Jesus. He said, I often didn't understand what they were saying. I'm kind of a slow learner, he said, but I could memorize. And he memorized Scripture. He learned multiple books of the Bible that he memorized. And over the course of his life, memorized over 3,000 verses of Scripture. Recounting them every week. That might seem like a lot to us, but it's what disciples do. They're students of the Word. It's how, it's a primary way that we get to know Jesus and God the Father through His Word. It's what disciples do. And my prayer is that you and I, I've got a lot of work here to do as well. I'm not a great memorizer. And I know that it's a struggle sometimes to find time to read and to study and to meditate. But we have an opportunity here right now today to change some things. And so I just want to encourage all of us to take stock of the wonderful gift that we have, each one of us, in the Word of God. I want to close with a passage from Psalm chapter 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers.